Okay, guys, we are, we're in Lesson 10 again because we didn't finish last week. We had a very long discussion concerning elders and accountability with elders and how to approach elders if there's something going wrong. And we ended up talking about purity in the eldership, sexual purity. The second part of our study that we didn't get to was slavery, so we're going to talk about that today. But before we do that, I just want to make sure that we have everybody's question answered concerning the issue of elders and accountability. This is a good point to ask any questions that you might have concerning what an elder is, what does an elder do, uh, how are they referred to in the Bible, what about holding them accountable or something. So let's take a couple of moments and answer any questions that you might have about that before we get on to the last part of our lesson, which is about slaves, okay, and masters. Anybody with a question or a comment? Mike brought up an interesting comment to me last week because I had mentioned I felt uncomfortable talking about the double honor thing, okay? And Mike pointed out rightly, well, that's true. You don't need to be nervous about that, but you also need to mention them to them that there's a double accountability with you too. Do you understand? A elder or pastor, yes, is worthy of double honor and worthy of being taken care of, but also recognize that that guy's not just living in a cozy world he then will be held doubly accountable later on when he appears before the Lord. Why? Because of what he teaches and whether or not what he, his life matches what he teaches. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there is a sense in which God will deal with teachers. In fact, let me just stop for a moment. That's just not one isolated passage. It's throughout the Old and New Testament that people are held accountable for what they teach concerning the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that was a good comment that Mike made, so I thought I would mention that to you as well, okay? Anybody else with a comment or a thought there about elders or questions or anything? We got it all down? All right, Gene. That's all part of it. Everything else I should be teaching should be about the Lord and how to live for the Lord, what the Lord teaches. Do you understand what I'm saying? So everything I teach, Gene, is accountable to God. I'm accountable to God for what I teach. Every elder is accountable. No, but see, here's the thing. Understand, in the Scripture... Okay, we're all equal. Remember, we, we, we talked about that already, that elders are, are, are not above people. But we have a role in which we serve that we're held responsible for because of our role. So I have a greater judgment because of the role that I have. You don't have that role. So God's not going to hold you to that same standard. Now, he's going to still hold you to a standard. His standard for you is still pretty strict. Did you understand what I'm saying? Okay. But for me as a teacher, it's even stricter. I'm, I'm going to be held more accountable because if, if you think about it, I was just reading through 
Um, I was just reading through, I, in my devotional time, I was reading where God was saying to them, it was about the blind leading the blind. Oh, it was in Romans. It was about the Jews professing that they were the spiritual guides, but yet they themselves don't adhere to what they were teaching others. And he was talking about how great their judgment will be. See, that's the thing. I mean, does everybody recognize that there are guys who get up and teach who don't live by what they teach? Is that, is that true? What they teach will be used as a, as a basis of judgment in their life. Did you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so now, now do you understand? Okay. Anybody else? Okay, because here's the problem. In our culture, we want to think that even a guy like we elect for an office or something, and this goes back 20, 30 years now. We've had this mindset for the last 30 years. As long as he does the job, he's okay. No. There, you, when, you, when you have a certain position, the higher that position, the more accountability there is to that position, Right? Like, for instance, have you noticed, like, for instance, we've seen the mining accidents in West Virginia where, where coal miners got killed. Not here recent, but in the last few years. But here recently, those folks have been going to court over it. And who are the ones who are getting hammered? Is it the guy who was the inspector in the mine? No. I'm sure he's getting something, though. It's the president of the mining company. He's the one who's being sentenced to what? To jail, because he, there is a standard that says he has to be held at a higher accountability because he's over the whole structure, and it resulted in the death of men in that mine. Do you understand? We all understand that. But that, that's really what we're talking about here, is that there's an accountability to those who are leaders, okay? Anybody else with a comment or question about elders in the church, their role or whatever? Now, let me just stop for a moment. We're talking about elders. We're not just talking about one single pastor, because we have three, we have four elders in our church. Myself, three other men. So we're not just talking about George. We're talking about three other men in our church as well. Now, when you look at what is being put forth in the scripture, what does that tell you about the kind of men you need to be selecting? What did you say, Mary? Responsible men? Okay, I saw somebody, somebody else mumbling. What, what else? What are the kind of men? They need, what, honest men? Yeah, honest and men of the word. Okay, that's good, Tim. What else? Respectable men? men? Because really, we're talking about a position where it has a, they're leading the church, right? And it's not just elect Bubba. I mean, Bubba might be a good guy, but Bubba may not be an elder. Did you understand what I'm saying? He may not be the kind of guy you want to lead your church and lead your spiritual life in the culture that we live in. That, that's the point that he's making here. Did you understand? Okay? Anybody else with a question or a thought? Okay, so let's go on. We're going to talk about slaves now. So we're up to section two. We're going to look at two verses verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. So let me get there. 
Okay. Let me get there. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are our benefit, our believers and beloved. Teach and exhort all these things. Okay. Now, let me explain to you once again about Roman slavery. Most of the population of the empire were slaves. How's that possible? Well, it's an empire. They started out in Rome. They spread from Rome all through the Mediterranean area, all the way over to England, all the way from Spain, all the way around the Mediterranean to North Africa, into what we know as Iran, the Roman Empire spread. So here's what happens. How they spread? They just kind of show up and say, hey, we want to be your government now. Follow us. Oh, yeah, let you guys can do it. Now they showed up with armies, and they conquered people. What did they do in those day when, days when they conquered people? Pillaged raped, killed, and the people who were left were made what? Slaves. Now do you understand why most of the, most of the Roman Empire were slaves? They were owned by somebody. What do you mean they were made slaves? Well, they would bring the slaves back to Rome or whatever provincial city, put them on a sale block, and they would be sold. We have here a lawyer, skilled in oratory. What's the price? We have here a doctor. So you're talking about all classes of people were brought into slavery. All manners of skills were brought into slavery. We have a blacksmith. We have a leather worker, a tent maker. Did you understand what I'm saying? So they were brought into slavery. So most of the Roman Empire were slaves. Very few were freedmen. Very even fewer had citizenship. Okay? They had citizenship. Very few had citizenship. Now, so most of the culture is slaves. Now, here is one of the accusations against Christianity at this time. As Christianity began to flourish, one of the accusations was is that they were stirring up the slaves to rebel against their masters. So Paul's trying to address that. He addressed this issue not just in this letter, but in other letters about how slaves are to function. Okay. Now you say, what does that have to do with us today, George? Because, yes, I hear reports of slavery happening over in North Africa, and I hear reports of, of uh, human trafficking and things like that. But what does that have to do with us right here in Kerwinsville? Because we don't have slavery in Kerwinsville. Okay? Well, actually... The similar thing that you could see is, is you working for your boss. Okay? You working for your boss. In fact, we used to say that we owed our soul to who? The company. You know what I'm saying? Or the company store was the song, you know? I forget now who the country singer was. I got him pictured in my mind. Tennessee Ernie Ford. Yes. Okay? Yeah, I owe my soul to the company store. It's a great song. Look it up on YouTube. Okay? 
and, and there is some truth to that. When you work for a company, whether we like it or not, they, they feel like, you even say this, they, they own you, right? But they don't literally own you, but they make demands of you. So there are some principles that we can gather from these two verses that can help you to understand why you need to be a certain way at work, okay? Because what we're talking about here is how they treat their masters. Do you understand? And why they need to do the work that they're doing or how they do the work. So let's look at it together, okay? So we're looking at two verses here. First thing I want you to see is this. They are, um, he's going to talk about slaves who have unbelieving masters, okay? So Paul calls believing slaves to view their masters with all respect. Now that's a hard one, isn't it? That's hard, isn't it? I mean, we have bosses, some of them are just plain jerks, right? I mean, I'm just being honest, right? I mean, that's, I mean, well, this is church, church, George. We shouldn't say that. No, you, okay, you say it on the street. He's a jerk. Did you know what I'm saying? He's acting like a jerk. And, and everything in you, even though you're working for the company, you don't want to show him any what? Respect. Okay? Now, Paul is, now here's the thing. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Okay? There were slaves that were working for people that had good masters, but then there were slaves who were working for people that were jerks, okay? And he's saying to these guys who are working for unbelieving masters, view them with all respect. That's hard. I know it is. That's hard. But here's the reason why. They are to do this so that God and the gospel are not blasphemed by unbelievers. You're to do this because you are a what? Christian. And the reason why you do it as a Christian is so that that unbelieving guy doesn't blaspheme who? Your God and the gospel that you are professing to believe and that you talk about. Okay? So, okay, all right, let's stop for a moment. We, I think we know what we're talking about here because we've experienced it. What do you mean? Okay? How many of you have been at work and there's a Holy Joe guy there? What do you mean about a Holy Joe guy? Well, he's the guy who's who's talking about being at church and talking about doing this, and he's, he's carrying his, he breaks his Bible out at lunch, or he quotes Bible verses, and he's got opinion about this, that, or another. But when it comes to his work, he's not pulling his weight. He's disrespecting other people. He's disrespecting even the people who are in charge. He is a terrible testimony. How many of you have met a guy like that? That's a Holy Joe guy. You've seen that at work, right? Right? Okay, some of you have seen that, okay? What do the unbelievers say about that? He's a hypocrite, okay? What did you say, Mary? Okay, hypocrite. That's the big word, hypocrite. Do they say anything else? 
See, this is what Paul's getting at here. He's talking about you as a believer. You need to work in such a way that you show respect to those who are over you because if you don't, who gets blasphemed? God and the gospel. Okay? So the reason why you need... I mean, yeah, it's hard. You're going to grit your teeth. Sometimes you want to speak your mind, right? But you have to for the sake of what? The gospel. And you can complain to the Lord. It's okay to go, Lord, you want me to be nice to him, but he's being a jerk today. Help me. God understands. He'll give you grace. Okay? Let's go on. Now he's going to talk about those with believing masters. Now, you might think that's contradictory because, wait a minute. Now, hold on a second, George. How can he be a believing master and have slaves? It was their culture. Again, remember I told you, most of the culture were slaves. In fact, in the Roman culture, slaves could what? Own slaves. Do you understand? Slaves could own slaves. In fact, even in the Roman culture, you might be owned by somebody and you never see your master because you're the steward over his stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, okay, how many of you have uh, somebody who takes care of your 401k or your, uh, or your IRA or something? You have something like somebody who does that? Okay. How often do you know, have contact with them? Maybe once a year? Maybe you haven't talked to him in two years or three years? But he's taking care of your stuff, right? You're paying him to take care of your stuff. You don't know what's going on with his life. You don't know where he, you don't even, probably don't even know where he lives, Okay. But, you know, it's the, it's the same thing there. They had people who were taking, who were slaves. They were owned. And, and that was the same type of scenario. So, so there were Christian masters who had Christian slaves. So here's what I want you to see. Believing slaves are not to despise their believing masters since they're brothers in Christ. Okay, now you say, okay, great, wonderful. I'm glad we don't live in that age. How's that apply to us? Well, some of you have bosses who are what? Christians. And sometimes bosses make decisions that you don't like, right? Does everybody understand that? Because they have something else going on that, that they have to make that decision because maybe they got policies or whatever. Because they probably have somebody above... Chances are they have somebody above them. Okay. What he's saying here is, is that don't despise them because number one, you're brothers in Christ. You're going to spend eternity together. I don't want to spend eternity with him. You're going to. Chances are he doesn't want to spend it with you either. Okay. So they're to serve their masters because they're brothers in Christ. So they are to serve their masters because those who benefit are believers and beloved by Christ. He's basically saying you doing what your master tells you to do or your boss tells you to do is because you are actually ministering to them. You're serving them. You're doing something for them. You just happen to get paid for it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we do things like this, right? We'll, 
I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll come and do special projects where we'll help somebody out. Well, they've got water in their basement, it's flooded. We'll go and help and we'll clean up in whatever their basement. Or we'll do this or that, or we'll do the oil change for people and stuff. And, and we'll, we'll be all helpful and everything, but then when we go to work, we don't, do, we don't have that same attitude. And especially if it's the boss is a believer. Because we see it, what we've done is we've separated our Christianity from work. Do you know what I'm saying? And what Paul's saying is, no, your Christianity needs to be a part of your work. Because when you're serving that Christian master, you are serving, you're benefiting him. That's, that's your brother in Christ. I would even go one step further and say, when you're working at work, you do your best because you're ultimately serving who? The one who gave you the job. Did you understand what I'm saying? And when you're responsible over the things he gives you, then he'll give you other things. Okay? So those who serve their masters because they are to serve their masters because it benefits those who benefit are believers and beloved by Christ. Now, here's the final point. Timothy was to teach and exhort others concerning these instructions. So Timothy, the pastor, the elder, was to spend his time teaching this. Why? One lesson should be enough, right? Or do we need to be continually what? Reminded. Does everybody understand that? You know, because... Maybe, hey, the first six months of the year, things are going good at work, you have no problem, but then that one decision comes down. And let's stop for a moment. Is that boss a human? So does every decision that come out of him, is it always accurately perfect? Now, he may think it is, but is it? No, so he sometimes makes what? There's no sometimes to it. He makes mistakes too. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So the next six months are like, ah! Well, is that right for you as a believer? Because ultimately you're serving who? God. And he's a fellow believer in Christ, and you're benefiting him. And listen, you're not doing it to get the benefit from serving him. You're doing it, you're, you're ultimately doing it for who? God. And you're saying, God, you know I'm doing what's right here. Could you honor me? Could you show favor to me? Did you understand what I'm saying? Well, you don't know my boss. It doesn't matter what I do. Nothing is changing his heart. There's one who can change hearts, folks. Who's that? God changes hearts. Okay? Now, we're saying, you don't know my boss. Your boss is saying, you don't know my employee. Okay? Because there are other passages that talk about how masters are supposed to treat their what? Slaves. But go ahead, Bruce. The difference is, is, in those days, they didn't have a choice. Like today, if my boss makes a decision that I think is completely stupid and is going to destroy the company, I can put my resume in somewhere else. I don't sit there and complain about it. And, and yes, up. that's true. I can yep. go somewhere else. They didn't have that choice. Yeah, but we live in an era where you do have choices. But there are some people who don't have choices. Because they can't find a job. Yes. Yeah, and, and wait for God to get, open up another opportunity, okay? And I've experienced that. Some of you have experienced that where you've gone to God and said, God, I can't handle this. 
And at some point, he just says, okay, I'm going to open up another door for you. And you go somewhere else. Yes, or sometimes he says, I'll give you, my grace is sufficient for you, you know. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Uh, that's a good passage for those of you who are struggling right now at work. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, my boss. It says a messenger of Satan, right? To buffet me, and I pleaded with God three times, get me out of there, get rid of him. God says, my grace is what? Sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Okay? All right, anybody else with a comment? Tim. Okay, here's what I'm saying. There, every job, I'm giving you a general principle. So under, just take it as a general principle. Every job is different. Every job has different procedures in place. Every job, some jobs have means of appeal or whatever, okay? You've got to figure that out, and you've got to ask God to guide you to know what to do. Did you understand what I'm saying? So, okay, so like you're a military man, bro, all right? There's a chain of command, right? And there's a structure to that chain of command. So, you've, so if you've got a lieutenant who's telling you to do something stupid because he's a butter bar, you, do, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? And you've been in for 10 years or more, and you know better, and you know it's not going well. You know how to, you, do you understand what I'm saying? You, you know what you have to do to function in that. And most people do. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there are some instances, no, where you may have to just suck it up. Okay? So I'm just giving you general principles. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you with the general principles to function where you are. Okay? All right. What were you going to say, Mike? Yes. Yes. Yep. Now, my question to you is that you show yourself respect. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody else with a question? That's a good comment, Tammy. Okay, yeah, that sounds good, and I think in some circumstances that would work, but in, then, then somebody would say, yeah, but that ain't going to work with my boss, okay? It depends on the boss or the structure of the company. I can say back from, boy, I really don't like that. I think that's stupid, not a good idea, but you're the boss, right. yeah. and if you tell me to do that, I'm going to do it. But you're in a situation where some, you can do that, right? Some bosses would be like, shut up and do what I tell you to do, and don't back talk. Yeah, and it's sometimes it's not even the boss; it's the it's the corporate culture right. of the, of the organization that you're working I work for. For a company that would go to you go to a manager's meeting and they would say, "We want your honest opinion about this." You already knew in the back of your mind they don't want your honest opinion; they want you to say, "Yeah, that's a great idea." Okay, okay, yeah, I know some Christian ministries that are like that too. Okay, so yes, Rhonda. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, because you need to do what's right. right. Yeah, okay? Okay, you need to do what's right. We'll proceed on to lesson 11 next week.